0: If your faith in Christ is not leading you to live a lifestyle of devotion to Jesus, then you're in danger. It's a message that America needs to hear today. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Inwardly, really, they live like the world and they don't follow Christ. The lives of adultery is what most Americans live, Lord God. The lives of idolatry Your hand is still outstretched still, Lord God. You're still calling people to repentance. You're still calling the 76% of deceived Americans. You're still calling them, Lord. You still say, come to me, please. Turn away from your sin, and I can save you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen? You guys would like to make sure all your cell phones are off or on silence, whichever. We'd uh, be helpful not to have any distractions during service today. I'm, uh, you know, just thinking the other day how thankful I am to be able to learn how to teach because God's been teaching me how to teach, and I'm real thankful that God's taught me how to sit up here in front of people as it's very uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever done it or if you're thinking in your mind that class that you had in high school where you had to stand up there in speech class or in college or whatever, it's very uncomfortable, and I've been getting used to it. So I'm thankful that God has brought me this far and enabled me to be able to talk in front of others. So we have a little small congregation here in McKinney, Texas. I want to thank also, not everybody else, I want to thank everybody in this room for being here, but I also want to thank everybody that's joining us from all over the world as our services are on SoundCloud, and our, uh, we have an account with them, and we've seen services go all over the world. So people have been listening. Uh, over a couple hundred times, all my sermons, all over the world. So I want to welcome you, if you're joining us from overseas or wherever, welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Um, if you join me in a word of prayer, and then we're going to get started with our message. So if you join me, please, Lord, we thank you for bringing us here today. I thank you, Lord God, for giving ability. Lord, so one thing I'm going to say in, in today's service, Lord, you, you don't qualify the call you or you qualify the called, you don't call the qualified, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, that who you call, you equip. And Lord, as I've seen that happen with me, Lord, you've been equipping me as you've called me to the things you've called me to do, Lord, when I stepped out of faith and prayed, and you led me to do it, and I did it for you. So, Lord, I, I pray just, Lord, that you would bless the service, bless the message, Bless all the hearers, Lord, as you've blessed me this whole week creating this message, as you gave me the wisdom to make it. As I start in the beginning of the week with just a few little headlines that I just say every week, the prayer and everything, I start with a blank sheet of paper, Lord, for the message, though. All I know is the location. I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea or I have an idea where I'm going. I don't have any idea what I'm going to say. I don't even have the title. And I just thank you, Lord, God, that you give me all that. I just pray now that you bless all those that hear. Lord, and that they just wouldn't be hearers of the word that I speak today, but that they would be doers, especially this week, Lord God. For all my brothers and sisters out there, Lord God, I pray that uh, they would hear what you say today, your heart, and I pray that they would purpose in their hearts and set their faces like Flint to do what you've called them to do, Lord God, not just to hear it. I pray you'd bless us all, Lord, as you, I pray, are glorified and magnified in what I say in, in us being here. We praise you and thank you, Lord God. And ask these things and pray them all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you guys want to open up to Matthew chapter 9. Going to be at the end of Matthew chapter 9. We're going to go backwards a little bit before we can go forward. So I know we ended chapter 9 last week with verse 38. And we were going to start 10-1 this week, Matthew 10-1. But the Lord said, "Nope, put on the brakes. You got to back up real quick. I really want you to say something out of my out of the text you taught on last week. So it's Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in 37 and 38. And then we're going to read 10, 1 through 15. So we're going to read 17 verses today, probably one of, the, one of my bigger messages as far as content goes. So I want to get jump right into it. Is everybody there? Matthew chapter 9, start in verse 37. The Bible reads. Then he Jesus said to his disciples. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 10.1 And when Jesus had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter. Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebeus whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy. Of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire of it who is worthy, and stay there till you go out. When you go into a house, when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So we have four topics we're going to speak on today in this message. The name of the sermon is the need, the prayer, the commission, and the command. And we're going to break those down. It's was imperative. We're going to break those down into four different sections of our sermon. As I said earlier, we went back a little bit. We taught the love of Christ last week in Matthew 9, 35-38, but we go back a little bit, just two verses, because we need to see the heart of Jesus Christ, and we need to see what we ought to be doing with the heart of Jesus Christ. So first part, the need. And I read 37 over again. Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus, remember, looked around and he saw all the people that needed to hear God's word. And he realized, which he had already known, that he was not going to be able alone to minister to all these people. He needed more people that God would raise up to go out and tell people about God's word. But verse 37 says, but the laborers are few. So here he's saying that the amount of people that need to hear about God's word is so many. But the laborers to actually go out into God's harvest are very few. What he's really saying here, he said, that he said there, There's a great need of evangelists to go out into the harvest. Today, there are still very few evangelists as in comparison to the amount of people in this world. So he says, I see a great need and we need more people to go talk to people about God. What does he do? Part two, the prayer. Verse 38. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus said, I see a need. The need is for more people to raise up and go tell people about God's kingdom, because all these people need to hear. What does he do about it? Did he just go kick back on the couch and say, well, that's, that's somebody else's job. I, that's good enough. There's a lot of people, but, you know, I'm sure it'll get handled somehow. No, no. He commanded the disciples to pray about the problem. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest will send out more laborers into the harvest. This wasn't a suggestion, by the way. He said, pray, therefore. That's a command. God didn't say, I think, it's, I think it's a good thing we might want to look at doing sometime in the future. He said, I command you, disciples, pray, that God would send more evangelists to tell people about his kingdom. So, his command was specifically, in case you're wondering, well, wait a minute, Pastor what do you mean, evangelists? His command specifically uses the words to send, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into the harvest. Those two words, out and into, definition of the Greek, out, the Greek word is And it's defined as to cast out, to drive out, to send out. And into, the Greek word is is, defined as into, unto, to, towards, from, among. So in case you're thinking, well, you know, I can sit in my church and just pray for people to come to me. That's not what Jesus said to pray for here. Jesus said to pray for people that we would call modern day evangelists to go out to go into, to go among the people to tell them about God's word, out and into. Both of these words are describing something going out, not staying put and just waiting for people to come to you. This is a problem that we have in our modern American church. Our modern American church here in 2013, pretty much all over the country, this American country that we live in, just waits for people to come to them. They just sit in their pews and they listen to the pastor and they never step foot outside their church home and they never go and tell anybody about Jesus. They just, well, I guess people will just come to us. But that's not the command that Jesus gave to pray for here. Reminds me of what Jesus said in the end. He was just about to, he was just about to ascend into heaven in Mark sixteen fifteen, He gives his disciples a command and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The word into in Mark sixteen fifteen is the same word into from Matthew 9 38. It's that word go out into. Go out into. That was his command to his disciples. That was also his command for everybody that would believe on him as the years would go on, as the decades would go on until he come back. Go ye therefore into all the earth and preach the gospel to only those people in a certain city. Nope, that's not what he said. Go, therefore, to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature was his command. Yet today the world has very few evangelists in proportion to the amount of people in the world. What was the heart of Christ in 37 and 38? Because I really want us to get this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray that God Almighty sends more people out into the harvest, into where all the people are, to go tell them about my kingdom. Go pray, let's do it. Let's pray, let's get this thing going. I want more people out there talking to people about God's kingdom. That was God's heart. So why do we have, why do we not have more people to go and tell us about Christ now? There's only one reason. There's only one reason at all. People are disobedient to the heart of Jesus Christ. Someone once said to me some time ago that if God really wills something, that means if God really wants something bad enough, then nobody can resist his will. Yet Jesus' heart was, I want more people to go out. Pray that there's more. Yet today we have few. I I won't believe that people can't reject the will in the heart of God because I see it all over the place, especially here in America. Today we have few people that are willing to tell others about Jesus. And Jesus Christ here is saying, Pray that more people would go. And if you're not telling people about Jesus Christ, and if you call yourself a Christian, and if you love the Lord, then you, sh- you need to look at what Jesus wants you to do here. And what Jesus wants you to do here is here is he wants you to go out and tell others about him. Christians, the only reason we even have a faith today is because the eleven disciples, twelve once Matthias was added, actually picked up the gauntlet, and they actually picked up the, the, the charge, and they went forward, and they took the command of Jesus Christ, and they went out, and they did what he said. If the eleven plus Matthias, twelve disciples, would have not done that, everybody that's listening, whether in this room or not, nobody would have had the opportunity to know we would not have the opportunity to know about Jesus Christ's life, death and resurrection if the disciples would not have been obedient to what Jesus told them to do, and that same command goes for us, goes for us today. So Jesus commanded the disciples to pray for more evangelists. Then look what he does first in Matthew 10:1. Read Matthew 10:1 with me, just partial of it. And when he called his twelve disciples to him we can't miss the very first thing he does overall yes he calls the disciples together and we're going to get to the commission because he commissions them in just a moment but we can't miss what he does initially right off the bat remember he just told them to pray pray therefore god would send out more harbor, more laborers into the harvest what he does first of all is he answers The prayer that he just told them to pray by gathering the 12 disciples in. He's answering the prayer that he just told them to pray. The 12 disciples were an answer to that prayer. Pray, therefore, more workers were coming to the harvest. Well, there was only Jesus. The 12 were just followers. Jesus now calls them to go out two by two into all the world, into all their whole region. And he actually answers that prayer. Isn't that awesome? God showed you that. How does he answer the prayer? By our part three, the commission. Commission as defined by dictionary.com is the act of committing or giving in charge. an An authoritative order, charge, or direction. Authority granted for a particular action or function. So he calls the 12 disciples together, and in the commission, he gives them power to go out and do kingdom work Verse 10:1. when he called the 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, people cannot go out, and I'm a firm believer of this, unless God commissions them. So people today even can't go out unless God commissions you. That's just, he, Jesus did it here. Jesus is God. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God has to commission you to go out and do His work today, just like He did commission the 12 disciples back then. Now, here's the deal. Does God want to commission you to go out and do His work? What do you think? I'm just thinking about Matthew 9, 37 and 38 again. That heart of Christ again. Of course he wants to commission people to go out and do God's work. Of course he does. And if you are a follower of Christ, God absolutely wants to commission you to go out and spread the gospel. That's what he wants you to do. And you might be saying, but Pastor Ed... I'm not ready. I, I don't know enough of the Bible to go and talk to people about Jesus. How, how could I get ready, Pastor? I, I don't even know. I'm so scared. Well, number one thing God wants you to do, of course, is if you're sitting here right now and you're feeling God saying, "Dude, you need to get out there." The number one thing God wants you to do is start praying. God, please. I know I'm not ready, but I know you told me to. But I, but I want to. I want to have your heart, Lord. Please get me ready. Get me ready, prepare me to go out and talk to people about Jesus Christ because I can't. And of course, 1 John says, the Apostle John writes in 1 John, if we pray anything according to His will and it's His will and it's according to what He wants, then He hears our prayers and we have to know We have to know that God answers those prayers that are of according to His will. Is it His will that people go out and tell people about Jesus Christ? Absolutely, that's His heart, Matthew 9, 37 and 38. That's Christ's will. I want more people to go out into the harvest to talk to people about God's kingdom. There's a saying I mentioned in prayer earlier. God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. That means that God takes somebody that absolutely can't do it. He calls somebody that absolutely can't do something He's going to ask them to do. And then He makes you ready. He gives you all that you need to go out and do it. Because if God called those that were qualified folks, then God wouldn't get any glory. Man could say, Oh, I did it all myself. I'm just the best evangelist in the whole world. I'm just the greatest pastor in all the world. I I can do anything. I can't. I'm sitting up here right now telling you that I can't. I've been evangelizing people for 14 years, almost 14 years, and I can't do it. I've been teaching this gospel-saving church for almost a year, and I can tell you right now, I can't do it. I am not able. I'm not capable. But God said, that's awesome. You realize that you're not? Pray, I'll get you ready because God's getting me ready week after week after week after week that I sit up here and week after week after week and when I go out and stand on the streets and I preach Christ to other people. God wants you to trust Him and obey Him. He wants you to just be willing and obedient and He'll give you the ability from there. He just wants you to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. You might be saying, that sounds great, Pastor Ed, and I, and I hear you. I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I just, I can't believe it. I just, I cannot believe that God would do that with me. Look at me, I'm Pastor Ed, I'm this and I'm that. I don't, I don't have this and, and I don't have that. And you know what? I understand how you may be thinking that. But that's why God, in this preparation of this sermon, It's okay if you think that because you don't have to take my word for it. Let's look at the Bible and let's look at who God commissioned here to go out and tell people about Him. Let's look at who God commissioned. Let's read verses 2 through 4 of Matthew chapter 10. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who's called Peter. Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector; James, the son of Alphaeus; Libius, whose surname was Thaddeus; Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, in case you didn't know, number one, we start off the bat. If we even went from backwards to forward, but we're not. He called somebody to go out and tell God about His kingdom, tell people about God's kingdom. The guy that betrayed him. The guy that turned him in and got him arrested and got him killed. That's a real good choice. I don't think so. I don't think he was a real good choice at all to tell people about God's kingdom. But Jesus did. Five out of the 12 we don't know much about. But gauging by what we know about the seven, we can get a good look at the principle I'm telling you about here. Disciples one through four, Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, James and his brother John were all four fishermen and in case you aren't familiar but these four fishermen and fishermen as a whole in their society were not the greatest types of people generally from Galilee because that's where the ocean was, that's where the lake was they generally spent all days mending their nets and going out on the water sitting there silent throwing a fishing pole or throwing a net into the water and gathering up fish they always smell bad because, you know, what do you think of when you think of fish? You think, oh, they're, they're cute. Well, what about when you catch them in their net and then you, you sprawl them all over the, the ground and so on and so forth? They get smelly. And then they're always fixing their nets. The nets get nasty. The nets get disgusting. They got fish guts all over them and fish scales all over them. These people, these four fishermen, were not, they weren't the, the prime candidates of society that, let's say, if we were looking today, a, a people to go reach the world for Jesus, I would not have chose these four people to go represent the gospel of the God of heaven and earth, I would not have chose four fishermen. Next we have Matthew or slash Levi and Luke, and he was a tax collector. And we already talked about that several weeks ago. Tax collectors were considered sinners. They were were considered the worst of all the land. They were taking taxes from the Jews for Caesar. They were working for the enemy. Not a good choice. Not a good choice because you know what? The people right off the bat, they would have seen Matthew and they went, that's that sinner, that tax collector who's taken my money. He's taken my money in the past before. People right off the bat had a disposition not to like him. Not a good choice to go tell people about the God of all heaven and earth. I don't think so. Thomas, we, get, we don't get to look at much about Thomas in the Gospels, but after Jesus resurrected and he visited the 12, Thomas didn't believe that the others had seen him. So Jesus kind of shows up where the ten disciples were in the room. Ten out of the twelve, Judas has already killed himself. Thomas wasn't there the first time. Thomas comes in later. The disciples are like, he was here. The Lord, the creator, the Lord Jesus, he was here. And Thomas said, Unless I see with my hand, unless I see with my eyes the marks in his hands, or the nail marks in his feet, or the mark in his side, I ain't gonna believe that he's here. So Jesus picked a disciple that had zero faith. When God's all about faith, not a real good choice, not a real good choice. Thomas was faithless. As I said earlier, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, he was the treasurer, no along the lines. He was the treasurer of all the disciples. And the Bible makes reference to he would steal money out of the pot all the time. So he was a thief and a murderer, not a real good choice to pick as a disciple, Not somebody that I would say is real qualified. I don't know about you. Not somebody that I would say is real qualified. Simon the Canaanite, or also Simon the Zealot, he belonged to a sect of Judaism that was uh, real. They call them zealots. They were real harsh. They were real strong about the law. They were real. And so I'm surprised this guy got saved because many of the Jewish leaders they rejected Jesus. He knew the law. But he didn't know, he, he would, they were, they, as a whole, the Zealots and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they weren't accepting Christ as the Messiah. I don't know. Probably not the best thing to pick a disciple that's my enemy. A disciple from the camp of my enemies? This, all I'd be thinking is this guy's going to subvert the whole ministry. He's my enemy for Cronall. Did he really convert? Not a good choice. I don't think any of these were good choices. If I was choosing people today, I don't think any of them are good choices. These, again, we don't know much about. Philip, Bartholomew, Nathaniel, James, Son of Alphaeus, and and Thaddeus. We don't know much about them, but gauging on the other ones that we do, the seven that we do, doesn't seem like Jesus picked the most qualified people in order to tell the whole world about the salvation that was in him for God. Now, that's then. What about now? Now, not to get into too involved with now, the now, But we have people like me. That's one that kind of hits close to home. For almost 14 years, I've been talking to people about Jesus Christ. I've been teaching about Jesus Christ whenever I can. Well, let's just pick me, for instance, and we'll we'll pick who I am. A little bit about me. I'm uneducated. I, I don't have a degree. I'm not skilled in any particular thing. I'm not a fisherman. I'm not a salesman. I'm not a carpenter, an electrician, a plumber, and I don't make a lot of money. God provides, and he gives me a couple good jobs that are really good, and they pay really well. But I'm not qualified. I'm not a scholar. I'm not real intelligent. And to be honest with you, I don't even really speak well. I feel like Moses. Lord, please send somebody else that could speak well, because I just don't speak well. That's how I feel about myself. In fact, one of my only skills is talking, and I'm not sure people think that's a quality, in fact, I myself think I talk too much. So, you know, I don't know. That's, that's not such a good thing. I think I talk too much. Yet in spite of all these strikes against me, God has used me to touch hundreds and thousands of people's lives in about 14 years. And I am completely unqualified to do God's work. But if God can use the 12 and people like me, he can absolutely use you. Absolutely. But I'm not... Well, that, there's no more excuses. If you're less qualified than me and if you're less qualified than disciples, you're probably some roach or probably some frog that's <laughs> hopping around on the ground because we're pretty low on the totem pole. So there's, there's no excuses. Which leads us to... The, com- the commission leads us to part four, the command verses 5 through 14. Here in verse 5, Jesus actually gives the command to his followers to go and evangelize. Then Jesus says in Matthew 10, 5, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, remember how I said earlier that the that Jesus told them to pray wasn't a suggestion, it was a command? Well, here not only did he, did he command them to pray, he commands them in verse 5 to go out and, to go out. Go out to the people. But since the disciples weren't used to doing this evangelism stuff, Jesus had to teach them. They were what you'd say, new employees. So verses 6 through 14, or actually 5 through 14, are the directions to the disciples on how to go. Remember I told you, if you're just willing, look at the disciples here, they were willing. Since they're willing, Jesus is, Qualified them, and in the qualification, he taught them as he does in 5 through 14, he teaches them what they ought to do. And in a job, you'd have a job, and if you started a new job, your boss would have to teach you all about how to do the job. Well, just look at verses 5 through 14, Jesus is the best boss, and he teaches the disciples through these verses how they ought to do the things that they were called to do. So let's look at them. Let's look at how Jesus said to go about and do this evangelism stuff. And we can actually glean much from what Jesus told the disciples to do then. And we actually look at that and we actually see how we're supposed to do it today. A good look at what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to evangelize today. So let's read verses 5 and 6 and hear what Jesus said. Past the command. He says to them, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In case you don't know, there's Jews and there's Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, if you're Greek or you're from Italy or you're from America or you're from Russia, you're a Gentile, unless you're born of Jewish descent. So there's Jews and there's Gentiles. So that's just in case you're wondering. So Jesus says here: do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Only go to talk to the, house, the children of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But wait a minute. What? My Bible says that God wants to save everybody. How come Jesus here only said go to the Jews and don't go to the Gentiles? Well, at that time when the disciples first went out, yes, The Jews had to be first. You see, the Jews are God's elected and chosen people. They're his elected and chosen nation. So they had to have the first fruits of everything. They needed to hear the gospel first. They needed to hear the kingdom of God first. They needed to hear it all first. Yes, Jews had to be first. But today, God wants all to be saved. But the Jews had to be first to either accept or reject the message of Christ being the Messiah. Now, as a whole, the Jews rejected Jesus as being Messiah. So God pushed on at that time from the majority of Jewish evangelism. Later on, he pushed on to Gentile evangelism. But you say, "But how do we know, Pastor, how do we know that God wants Gentiles to be saved? How do we know that God God changed his mind? Because right here, Jesus said, just go to the Jews. We have an account in the book of Acts with Peter, who's sitting on a housetop. And he's a little hungry, so he's praying. And he kind of goes into this trance where he sees God bring this sheet down with all kinds of unclean things. And as he sees this, he's kind of praying. He's like, but God, I don't understand. I'm not supposed to eat those things because he didn't quite understand the vision at first. Then as he's praying and he's seeking God, three men come to the door and they, they come knocking. And they're from this fellow named Cornelius' house, who Cornelius was a Gentile. So these fellows come and God says, go with these people. Peter goes, goes with these guys and goes into the household of Cornelius, who is a Gentile. And in this house, Cornelius had seen a vision of an angel who said, I want you to send to Joppa, which is a place where Peter was staying. And in this place, you'll find a man named Simon Peter. He's staying at a man, uh, a Tanner's house. So go check him out and bring him back here and he'll tell you all that you need to know about salvation. So these these guys go and they knock on the door. They call Peter down. Peter goes with them. Well, as Peter's talking to them about the gospel, as Peter's telling them about Jesus Christ, he hadn't even given an altar call yet. He hadn't even said, I, I, I want anybody that's interested in coming forward and accepting Christ or anybody that wants to know Jesus today, come forward and I'll, I'll help you to, to get to know him. As he was speaking the gospel message, God's Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, all the Gentiles that were sitting in that room. And everybody in Cornelius' household got born again and they got saved that day. And there wasn't one Jew among them that got saved. Acts eleven eighteen 18 reads, as Peter's describing the story back to some other fellows, some other Jews that were kind of getting on him because he went into a Gentile's house. And he says to them, when they heard these things, they became silent. Speaking about Peter, talk about his experience. And they glorify God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Today we have our New Testament. In our New Testament, written by the disciples under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we have 2 Peter 3, 9, where God says, I desire none to perish, but all to come to repentance. And the Bible talks about whether you're Jew or Greek, whether you're Jew or Gentile, God wants to save you. Now, under today's new covenant, under the covenant of Christ's blood, God wants everybody, everybody, to get saved. Jesus says today to us all, evangelize everybody. Not just Jews, not just Gentiles. Evangelize everybody. So that's enough to say he told them who to go to. They, they were supposed to go to the Jews. What are they supposed to say? Verse 7. He says, and, you, and as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He had to give him what to say. But wait a minute, was Jesus the kingdom of heaven? No. But we know by John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. And in case you didn't know, before Christ lived, before Christ died, Jesus, there was no entrance into heaven. We have Luke 16:19 through 31, where Jesus tells a little bit about Abraham's bosom. It was a holding place for those that follow God before Christ made a way unto heaven. So Jesus saying here, goes and tells them, go tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And since Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the lie, he is the way to heaven. You think he's like the door to heaven. So that was the message that they had to preach. Today, under the new covenant, since Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we, we preach Christ crucified and how people are supposed to respond to what Christ did for mankind. Paul speaks to some folks in Acts 17, 30, 31, and he says, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked so the times before Christ God overlooked those times of ignorance amongst people God overlooked but now he commands all men everywhere to repent Did you hear Jew or Gentile there No he said he commands all men everywhere the word all means all whether Jew or Gentile or black or white or Chinese or Spanish When all's all, God said all. He commands all men everywhere to repent because, he says in verse 31, he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world. God will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He's speaking about Jesus Christ. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him or raising Christ from the dead. What does it mean to repent? Repentance doesn't save anybody. Repentance is the avenue of which people get saved. Repentance is what the Bible calls a change of heart. God wants you to have a change of heart toward his son, Jesus Christ. Repentance leads you to Christ Jesus where you surrender your life unto him. So repentance is that avenue. God wants all men everywhere to repent, to turn to Christ, and so they can get saved. So that was their message then. That was our message now. And let's read verse 8 where he gives them the command, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the demons, freely have you received, freely give. Why? Why Why would would these disciples need to go tell others? Why would they need to go to heal the sick and heal the lame and so on and so forth? Well, there's a reason. Look at all of creation and all of its splendor. Look at all the way things are out there, the planets and the stars and the sun and the moon. Why are they all there? Most people can't answer that question if you ask them. Why are they all out there? What purpose do they have to even being there? Most people don't know. I know. Romans 1.18-20 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that all people are without excuse. Why is all the creation all out there? Because God said, that's how they know that I'm here. I'm invisible, yes but I'm not going to make a creation that's invisible. I'm going to make a supernatural creation because man can't get to that As far as we can go is the moon and send some probes out a little further, but people can't really get much farther past the moon. So what is all billions and trillions and and gazillions of stars and planets out there? What are they doing? They're a testimony. God says through Paul in Romans one that God is there, that God is real. Well, here, Jesus Christ gives them these things to do. God wants to reveal himself to mankind. Jesus gives this power to the disciples so that the people that would hear the message, it's, it's one thing to hear a message. Hi, how are you doing today? I love you. But unless you show your love to somebody, they don't really know that you love them. Here, Christ gives them the power to go do these miracles so that The word would be confirmed, the word that Jesus Christ would be confirmed to the people that they went to, that God was really real and that Christ really was the Messiah. After the resurrection, these healings became a tremendous way that the church grew. Acts 5, 12-16 says, "And And through the laying on of hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of, them, none of the rest jo- dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered for the, from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tortured by unclean spirits and they they were all healed God Jesus still gives those abilities to people now those abilities are still done I myself have laid the hand my hands on sick people and afflicted people and they have recovered God still wants to reveal himself Jesus wanted to reveal himself through these signs and wonders and miracles so that the word, would be confirmed. Jesus promised in Mark sixteen seventeen that signs would follow those who believe in my name. They'd cast out demons. They'd speak with new tongues. They'd take up serpents, and if they drank anything deadly, it by no means hurt them. They lay lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Christ wanted to show people, I'm real, and I'm not just a word. I'm not just written in a book, but I'm real today. You You can believe in me through these signs and wonders and miracles that my disciples will do to let you know that I'm real. So next, Jesus speaks about the areas of supernatural provision that God would give as they went out to preach God's kingdom. Look at verses 9 through 11. Let's read him again. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs for workers worthy of his wages. And whatever city or town you enter in, inquire who is who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go. Look at what God said. He even was there showing the disciples supernatural miracles. How? Wherever they were to go, they weren't supposed to take any food. They weren't supposed to take any provision. The provision was all supposed to be added to them as they went. God wants to show you. In, in I remember in Jesus' prayer, I think it was in Matthew chapter five or chapter six. He said, "Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day, or give us this day our daily bread." And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Give us this day our daily bread. God's everyday provision that he has for those that follow him. His everyday provision. So here, what do we see? Nothing more than, nothing less than. Jesus Christ saying, go out. I want to show the power of God through you. Don't take anything with you. Don't worry about what you're going to eat because it will all be provided as you go. Don't worry about what house you're supposed to stay in, because whatever house you're supposed to stay in, I'll provide that for you as well, too. God gives his supernatural provision. Paul reaffirms in 1 Timothy 5.8 what Jesus teaches here, where he says, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. He tells them how to go. Look at verses 12 and 13 as we look at rolling up. And when you go into a house, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is is not worthy, let your peace return to you. So greet the household. And if the household is worthy, your peace will come upon it. And if it's not, it'll come back to you. How would they have known if the household was worthy or not? I personally believe that they would have known if the household was worthy or not by the people, whether they accepted or whether they rejected the message of Jesus Christ. If the whole household accepted the message of Jesus Christ, then the blessing that you blessed the house with would come upon the house. If they rejected, then that would come back to you. Partly because of verse 14. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. So Jesus even gives, he tells the disciples what to do if people won't listen to the message. Pretty pretty verse 14 is pretty explanatory. Very easily to see. It's very easy to understand what it means. Jesus just gives instructions on how to treat the individuals or the cities that reject the message of Christ. So today, we cannot force people to listen to us about Jesus Christ. We can't force. People either have to want to hear about Jesus Christ or they want to reject it. So here we see Jesus' provision for even us today. If somebody doesn't want to hear, knock the dust off your shoes and move on. Does God not love that person? Wait a minute, Pastor Ed. I thought God was all love. God is all love and He's all choice as well too. If somebody wants to reject, if somebody doesn't want to listen to the message of Jesus Christ, God says, push on. Push on. I love that person, but that person's making their own choice and they're choosing to accept or they're choosing to reject. God doesn't send anybody to hell, folks. That's what Jesus is showing us here. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People themselves send themselves to hell by their own choice to reject or accept the teachings of Christ. Remember 2 Peter 3.9, God does none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life, all to come to repentance. God wants everybody to get saved. But unfortunately, we read our last verse, verse 15. Unfortunately, the consequences of that choice to reject the message of God's salvation through Jesus Christ, leads to verse 15, where Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day, and the day of judgment, for, for, than for that city. So what is he saying? Sodom and Gomorrah was a town that lived in wickedness, back in the Old Testament. And God judged that town, because not only did they reject God, But they were living in all kinds of evil, sexual, immoral ways. They weren't nice to people. They were evil to people. They treaded on people. They did lots of evil. So God rained fire and brimstone down on these two cities. Fire and brimstone came down from heaven and devoured these two cities completely. But yet Jesus is saying here, if they reject my message, the message about me, it would be worse for them in the day of their judgment than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of their judgment. And rejecting Jesus and the salvation is, him, is in Him alone, that judgment will be worse. Think about that. Sodom and Gomorrah, if you know anything about it, every single person, man, woman, and child in those two cities, was all they were all completely, completely destroyed. They were all burned up to ashes. They were all absolutely destroyed. And God said that the judgment for rejecting Jesus Christ and his message would be worse than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah. How sad. So in closing, Christians, we're supposed to be evangelizing. We're supposed to be telling people about Jesus Christ. Remember I said about the 12 disciples, if they'd not gone forward, we wouldn't have the opportunity today to be Christians and to know the love of God if those 12 wouldn't have picked up that lamp and gone forward. You need to be bold for Jesus. You need to tell others about him. Any Christian out there that's listening, you need to tell others. Whoever that is, your family, your friends, those you run into at the store, you need to talk to them about Jesus Christ. Jesus said that all the law and the prophets hung on the first two commandments. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. And Love your neighbor as yourself. Let me ask you a question. If people reject or they just don't know the message of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that they're going to go to hell forever. They're going to burn there and the weeping and gnashing of teeth and the smoke of their torment will go throughout all the ages and they're going to burn forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Now, if you refuse to tell others about Jesus and about his salvation, if you refuse then that means that the people you're refusing to tell are, could be burning in hell because you didn't tell them. And ask yourself this. How do I love somebody and not warn them of the wrath to come? Not warn, Not give them the good news of how they don't have to go to hell. How do you love somebody and hold back the message of salvation from people? How do you love them? So even not only are you breaking God's heart by not talking to others, but you're also rejecting the second commandment because you can't love your neighbor and watch them go to hell. Hell is the epitome of horrible, horrible, horrible. It's the worst horrible you could think of in your whole mind ever. And beyond that, go, go farther than that. It's worse than that. And sadly enough, You know, as I've been evangelizing for years, I've had many people that I walk up to that say, oh, so what are you, man? Are you Jehovah's Witness or are you Mormon? And I said, no, man, I love Jesus, man. I just read the Bible. I'm going to tell you right now, there's more Mormons and there's more Jehovah's Witnesses preaching their false gospel than there are real people that love Jesus going out and telling them about the real gospel, the real salvation that's in God. So you're getting beat. We're getting beat. We've got multitudes of people going and spreading a false gospel. And we got few people really telling people about the one true gospel and Jesus Christ. Come on, Christians. Get on board with the heart of Christ and be like-minded with him. I'm not telling you to listen to me. Listen to Jesus. Jesus said, go ye therefore on all earth and preach the gospel. Not Ed. Jesus' heart, Matthew 9, 37 and 38, pray therefore. Pray therefore that God would send more laborers out into the harvest. Pray. There's my that's my heart, Christian. My Christian is I want to see the lost people hear about God's kingdom. That's God's heart. Be on board with God's heart and stop rejecting the second commandment. Stop living for yourself. Live for God. Outside of that, close. To those that aren't christians or maybe think they're christians i have a hard question for you are you really saved are you really walking with god and are you really living for him do you know for certain if you died today that you'd go to heaven or are you pretty sure you'd go to hell we talked earlier about the gospel of jesus christ and, and our response to it i ask you today how are you responding To the love that God showed you in Jesus Christ on the cross. How are you responding to it daily? We can't only look and say, Oh, well, God did it all for me. God loves me, so I'm good. Because the Bible says that just that knowledge won't save anybody. It's only when we respond to that knowledge that salvation enters into a person's life. Is in your life, is the gospel head knowledge And just another one of your beliefs? How are you responding to what Christ did for you on the cross daily? Does what Jesus did for you on the cross hold a meaning in your life? Does knowing Christ change your life? Change the way you live? Do you stay away from sin? Are you seeking God's face? Are you living for Him? Or do you say, well, no, since Christ lived and died on the cross for me and paid for all my sins, I can live any way I want. Because the Bible says that that's the path of destruction. If the gospel hasn't changed your life, and you don't spend any time with Jesus, and your life is full of sin, and you just live whatever way you want, then I'm here to tell you that whether you've prayed a prayer or not, whether you've really you know, gone to church most of your life, or you've prayed that that doesn't mean a thing. Those things don't mean a thing. The Bible says that you're in danger of hell fire. What did we read about what Paul said? God overlooked times of ignorance, but he commands all men to what? To come to repentance. Salvation's not a prayer, etc. Oh, I, I asked Jesus to come into my life at one time 20 years ago when I was five years old. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell, folks. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Salvation is taking a huge step toward Jesus Christ. Salvation is surrendering your life to his lordship daily. It's putting your trust in his ability to save you and not your own. Turning your ways away from wickedness. Going to the Bible, finding out what God wants from you. Finding out what God has for you. Finding out how God wants you to live and living in those ways. Making a decision to live in those ways and not live for yourself. If you do this, your life will change because you have decided not to live for you or for yourself, but to live for God. And if you know this is you right now, and you can say, you know, I I really don't live for Jesus, but I consider myself a Christian, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself if you live for you, And proclaim yourself to be a Christian because a word doesn't mean anything. You're not a car because you live in a garage, any more than you're a Christian because you go to church. You're a Christian because I follow Christ. The definition of Christian is follower of Christ or little Christ. If this is you, please take a step of repentance toward Christ Jesus today. Surrender your life to Him and decide to live for Him and not yourself anymore. Please, folks, look what he did to you. If you've been listening to any of my sermons so far, the love of Christ, God loves you so much, he gave his only begotten son so that whoever should believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. But God wants more from you than a belief because once you believe in Jesus, that's awesome, then Jesus then says, follow me. Do the things that I said to do. Please, think about your eternity. Think about how much God loves you. Think about what God has for you. He has an intimate personal relationship with him, but he can't live in that life if you refuse to turn from your sin. He won't force you. You have to give it to him willingly. Surrender today if you're not right. Surrender to Christ today. God loves you, and so do I. Join me in a word of prayer, please. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord God, for your call to repentance. Thank you, Lord God, that your hand is still outstretched still, no matter where we're at today, Lord God. We could be right with you right now, no matter where we are. We could turn to you right now, away from our sinfulness, and we could turn to Christ right now and surrender to you right now. You give us that opportunity right now. And I just pray, dear Jesus, please, if there's anybody who's listened to this message anywhere in the world, dear God, if they realize today, I don't really live for Christ, but I consider myself a Christian. Or, you know what, I don't, I just listen to this message, it, it's, it sounds good, but I, I'm, I, I'm not a Christian. Think about, I pray that, dear God, you'd show them the truth. I pray that, dear God, that you would show them how much you love them. And I pray that you would draw them to your son, Jesus Christ. For Lord, you said in your word, John 14, 6, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father but through you. And that's not a simple head belief, Lord God. That's a belief unto following. That's a belief unto life change. I pray, Lord God, please draw them to you. And Lord, for the Christians out there that we talked to today, Lord God, I pray that you would Draw them to repentance as well too, Lord. Not repentance unto salvation, of course, but repentance for them to realize that they are not practicing your heart. That they're not out there. They're not doing what you call them to do. You call all people to just be open about you. Lord, I'm not talking about people to go out and, and go on a, a 12-week campaigns and leave their homes and their families. I'm, Lord, I'm just talking about every day going out or whenever we're out, Lord God, making it a point to share Christ with others. Yeah to be a mouthpiece for others, Lord, whoever you would put in their way. I pray, dear God, that you would convict them right now, that they're not not following your heart. They're not on board with your heart, Lord. I pray that you would change their hearts. Bring them to repentance. Give them a heart change, Lord God, and help them to realize right now that they're not lining up with your heart right now. I pray that they would get out there and they would be obedient to the calling that you have upon all people that that belong to your Son and belong to you. Please, God, bring them to repentance. Me too, Lord. Any times that we're scared, Lord, I pray that we'd walk through that fear and not be afraid, but do what you call us to do. I love you, Lord God, and I praise you, Lord God, and I thank you. I ask all these things in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We would like to thank everyone who has joined us today to listen to Pastor Ed Spagnoli bring us more biblical truth as he preaches verse by verse through the Bible. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged to respond to the word of the Lord today, as one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. If you would like to support this ministry or contact us for prayer, Or for any reason at all, please visit gospelsavingchurch.com and enjoy our beautiful new website and click on the appropriate links. God bless you.